Welcome to Kids and Their Dog, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking animal, Cassidy. And I'm Lava. This week we're going to be, or we'll have watched, Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase, and we're going to go over it and give our thoughts. But first, let's uh, do some housekeeping. We actually have a few questions this week. At least three times as many as last time. (laughs) That's 200% more questions for you, the listener. (laughs) Our first question comes in from Charlie again, at Magical Pride on Twitter, or Magical underscore Pride. What movie are you most excited to review, least excited to get to? I don't know about least excited. Uh, maybe our next one. Huh. Oh, that's, that's my answer, too. I Oof, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I'm least excited. Um, what I'm most excited is a tie between Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School and Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery. Because I, I, I can't... That's the one with uh, John Cena and The Rock, right? Not The Rock, but a rock, a boulder. Yes. John Cena does karate kick a boulder in that movie. That is, like, the biggest thing that I remember when you had me watch, like, a whole bunch of um, Scooby movies a while back. That's, like, one of the key things I remember about that that time, is that watching that scene and just being absolutely flabbergasted that it exists. So I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Um, excited for? It's probably a toss-up between any of the live-action movies or um, maybe Music of the Vampire or Witch's Ghost. I like all of those movies a lot. Mm-hmm least excited for is obviously the next one Oof! it's not good oh boy but if i'm not gonna say that one because it's kind of like the easiest one to say is the worst movie i would go with frank and creepy which is another one that i made you watch and we both hated it i don't remember anything about it so i'm looking forward to not looking forward to it yeah it's not good (laughs) Okay, our next one comes in from M at Malaprop Cops, which is probably how you're not supposed to pronounce it, but I'm going to pronounce it that way until you correct me. (laughs) What sort of mythologies or cultures would you love to see Mystery Inc. interact with? I don't know why, but the idea of those meddling kids interacting with spectacularly bored Faye really interests me. Hmm. I'd go with... Uh, more cryptids. Like, there's yeah. obviously been your Bigfoots and Chupacabras, but, like, give me, like, a Jersey Devil or a Mothman. I say Mothman. Um, yeah, I, I can see cryptids. I don't know why, but the the phrase spectacularly bored Fay immediately made me think of the Goblin King Uh, from, wow, uh, Jared, basically. The Goblin King. Why can't I remember the movie's name? Labyrinth. Thank you. David but also, Barry. I believe there is a movie called Scooby-Doo and the Goblin King. There is, and I have no idea what it's about. If I had to guess, I would say a Goblin King. Probably. But it's not going to be David Barry Goblin King. Or maybe it is. Who knows? Oh, could you imagine? God. But yeah, that's what popped into my head when I read that phrase. 
And our final question this week from Eternal Crashing Waves, Star Emoji, Wave Emoji, Moon Emoji, at Crashing Waves 14. With the Velma and Daphne movie on its way, if you had to pitch another movie with only two members of the Mystery Inc., who would you choose? <sighs> I don't know. The obvious answer is Scooby and Shaggy, so I'm taking that answer off the table. Yeah, I was gonna say that was like the only thing I can think of, but it's too obvious. I honestly, my other answer was gonna be another Velma and Daphne movie. Because I will 100% watch all of, their, all of the movies for them. Because that'd be awesome. Um, this is cheating. But I would also say Velma and Hot Dog Water. What? It's Mystery Inc. Oh, okay. There's there's a character called Hot Dog Water. Oh. Who is basically just Velma too, and is Velma's main rival. Oh my god. Hot Dog Water. Oh. It's a very good show. It sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only combo I can think of. Mm-hmm. Poor Fred. Yeah. The thing is, is that I Freddy is kind of like part of the gang. Doesn't really offshoot with anybody, except maybe Daphne. Yeah, like there would be a Freddy Daphne rom com, and that's about it. Yeah. Eh. I'm low key hoping the Daphne and Velma movie would be kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. But who knows. Alright, and uh, we don't have any news, I don't think. So, let's get into it. We- oh, oh! I completely forgot to pull up any of the info about the movie. So oh. let me do that real quick. <laughs> Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase. It came out on October 9th, 2001. It was written by Mark Turozz. That's T-U-R-O-S-Z. And directed by Jim Stenstrom, starring the voice acting talents of Scott Eines, Frank Welker, Gray DeLisle, B.J. Ward, Joe Alasky, Tom Kane, Bob Bergen, Mikey Kelly, and Gary Sturgis. I only know who a handful of those people are. Mm-hmm. Scott Eines, Shaggy in this one? Yeah. Yeah, Scott Eines. Mm-hmm. He was the Shaggy in between the original Shaggy and Casey Kasem. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, as I was saying, we start off in a creepy lab. A classic creepy lab. Um, it's dark, it's spooky, everything looks kind of gross. There's a scientist with very, very good hair. There's just the, the very uh, Einstein kind of hair and look. When it comes to uh, scientists in certain movies, that just cracks me up. And a lot of time it's the voice, too. Yeah, it's the voice, too. In which case, it is this time as well. He gets up from the table he was sitting at dejectedly and walks solemnly through his rooms of junk and everything's kind of gross. We're going to see a lot of this stuff later in the daytime. He walks into a computer lab with his two nerds. There's one that looks like Peter Parker almost, but with black hair, and then one with a baseball cap. 
With a lab coat. He's, they're, they're both wearing yeah. lab coats. Everyone in the lab is wearing a lab coat. Yes. Which, thinking about it, thinking about it, no! These are programmers. These are game designers. They're also engineers. Yeah, okay. Okay. Which we get when uh, we learned his name is Professor Kaufman in this scene. He talks to Eric, the, the Peter Parker-looking one. Mm-hmm. And he asks Eric if he's gotten all the bugs out of the stuff yet, because they can't do any experimenting until they fix the code. And then the baseball hat one's like, no, not yet. And then he says he found something. And then the machine behind them activates and a laser pops up. And it shoots out a green beam that summons a laser gremlin. Yes. I love the laser gremlin. They are adorable. Laser gremlin is just about as effective of a name as as its actual name. Yeah. Anyways, laser gremlin starts heading towards them from across the room and all of the data from every computer just absorbs into its body. Eric goes to call the cops or somebody, and then the wires shoot out of the phone, wrap around his hand, and then he's stuck there. Yep. Cut to Mystery Inks on a road trip, on their way to see Eric. Shaggy is playing a video game in the backseat. Claims to not be very good at it, but he seems to be doing okay every time we see footage of it, so... yeah. Granted, at the end of the scene, he gets a game over, which, yeah, okay. But that that doesn't mean anything. Still probably good at it. Eric was apparently at the high school they went to, and everybody knew him. He was kind of a huge nerd then, too. Mm. Um, But now he's at State University (laughs) with a grant in game design. Yes. And and another instance of... That guy we know. Yeah. It's that guy we know. That guy we know, and we've always known. Eric. You know. Eric. From high school? <laughs> Anyways, they pull into State University. Uh, that's, that's what it's called. There's no state or any location attached to it other than it state. is a state university. As they're walking across the campus, a security card accosts them. Yes. Yes. And Paul Blart is in this movie as well. Mm, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I don't think this is a Paul Blart. Oh, no. I'll I'll be honest. I've not actually seen the movie. The Paul Blart movie. Paul Blart has a very particular mustache situation. Gotcha. Here, I'll send you an image. I mean, I remember what the, uh, whatever it's called, the box art looks like. Yeah, I don't even think this security guard had a mustache. No. Yeah. But Paul Blart Watch will remain active. (laughs) So, yeah, the security guard comes up to him and says, Hey, what are you doing on my campus? Does this guy just know everyone on this campus? He has a list. He apparently has a list of every single person on this campus and who's allowed to be there. Yeah, like it's a high school or something. What the heck? That is a horribly inefficient way to do things, and also is not how colleges usually work. No! Colleges do not work this way. It's, it's almost as if 
they were trying to go with, ah, oh, yes, this is something that you have to do in high school, having a list of people who are guests. But that's not college. It's like somebody could walk into a classroom and have been the, been nowhere near college for like ever, and nobody will say anything ever. So he gives them gruff about being on the campus, and Fred's like, "No, we're on the list. We're here to go help Professor Kaufman and Eric and other unnamed nerd." And in they, indeed, they are on the list. Yeah. And so like the security start, starts giving him a talking to and Scooby-Doo's behind him, takes his hat and starts imitating him in the background. Yeah. Scooby-Doo does not like cops. No, <laughs> he does not. Even, even a security guard. They walk in to the laboratory area and like I said, we see it during the day and it looks a lot less junky. Everything's clean and normal. Mm-hmm. And as they walk into the lab, Scooby and Shaggy see these giant plants and are like, oh, let's get some food in. They're tomatoes. They're huge tomatoes. Are they, are they supposed to be? Okay. I thought I they were tomatoes because they were growing like a, on a vine. I thought they could have been like a pepper. I could see that. They were too round to be a pepper to my eyes, but maybe they could have been. They, just, they had some weird shapes going on mm-hmm. in general. Aside from big. Yeah, they were big and red. Yeah. Um, baseball hat nerd says, hey, you might not want to eat those because of the radioactive soil. So they just have radioactive plants around. Yeah, what kind of lab is this? It's every lab. It's every lab. It's every lab. It's a computer lab. It's a botany lab. There's a chase sequence later. This is every lab. Yeah. And uh, this is also when we learned that the hat nerd's name is Bill. Just a regular ass name. Yep. And they explain what the machine was. It's a hyper-energy laser, which converts matter to cyberspace. Yep. I think this is the moment where there's nerd babble. Yeah. Everybody nerd babbles, and then Velma repeats it in more layman's terms. Yeah. It's like, she says, oh, it's so simple. It's like, oh, Velma. You just turn it into data and put it in the computer. It's a Digimon gun is what it is. Yeah, basically. Um, It beamed the virus into the lab, and they're going to need help solving the mystery of where the virus came from and what's it doing. Oh, we forgot to mention that the video game that Eric's making is based off of the Mystery Inc. Yep, and then... Uh, Bill, is this the moment where Bill says, I have a better video game? Yeah, he has a baseball video game that he made that's virus-free. And honestly, it looks pretty good. It does. It's got, like, fighting game inputs and, like, a rhythm meter in some spots. Mm-hmm. And they talk about that this is all for the science fair thing that they're going to, and the winner gets a prize money, but they're entering as a group. It's Bill, Eric, and the professor. And the professor's not actually going to be taking any of it. He just wants his students to win. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty decent prize pool, too. I don't remember yeah. the exact number, but it's big. It's enough to commit a crime over, as yep. we will learn. Yeah. But overall, this group seems, this group of nerds seems like they are tightly knit. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they show off the laser some. They Willy Wonka some Scooby Snacks into the game. 
Much to the disappointment of Scooby and Shaggy. Yeah. If it's in the computer, they can't eat it. Nope. Bill, Eric, and the professor all brag about each other's abilities and how cool the laser is and how they're going to win for sure as long as they stop this stupid virus. From eating their computer data. Yeah. Because that's apparently what the point of it is. They undigitize the snacks and shoot them back on the table, which leads me to believe that there are so many other better uses for this device. Yeah. Yeah. We actually do see one of those uses later in a post credit scene, but this is infinite food. You have created an infinite food cheat. Yeah, it's like, I don't think it's established, like, can, can oh wait, it might have been. Can it just create based off of the data alone, or does it need to have had an in-universe version first? Based on the post credit scene I watched, I think it can just, as long as there's one in there, you can make an infinite number of it. Dang. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they flash back to the scene of the virus attacking the professor and the nerds. Professor just reaches into a drawer full of magnets and pulls out this big old magnet and scares the virus off. Why? Why? There's so many magnets. He's a professor. There's just so many magnets just sitting in this drawer. It's because he's a professor. Professors have magnets. I guess. I guess. Sure, why not? There's a joke here about... Hold on, let me make sure this. there's an actual joke here. Yeah, a joke here about magnet schools. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, and Bill specifically says it's like kryptonite to Superman. Yes, because the poor virus immediately starts fizzing. Uh, they say they never saw the virus uh, show up on any of the security tapes afterwards so he's probably still in the building somewhere and they have a plan to lure the virus back to the lab and zap it back into cyberspace see what gets me is that in the scene preceding um that oh it wasn't showing up on the security cameras it was the virus eating computer data yeah so my thought was okay even if it did show up on the security cameras it could have just eaten the data you know? Mm-hmm. It, there's a lot of thing. There's a lot of problems with the virus being real. Yeah. So Scooby and Shaggy are like, hmm, I don't think so, because we're gonna be bait. And Velma does the, okay, would you do it for a Scooby snack? And Scooby's like, yeah, sure, I'm in. One Scooby snack? That's plenty. <laughs> Shaggy's like, mm, like, nah. Scooby, we gotta stick to our guns here. Are you going to do it for one measly Scooby snack? Let me teach you the, the rules of negotiation. <laughs> and then they get two Scooby snacks each. Yeah. Shaggy's an adult and has money, presumably, and can buy Scooby snacks. Does he have money? Presumably. Do any of them have money? I don't know. They gotta pay for gas somehow. Do they ever even get paid? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They only ever get paid in, like, lifetime supplies of food. After they save a factory from being haunted by a ghost. Yeah, maybe they saved a, a gas station company at one point. Now they just have lifetime supply of gas. Oh, Shaggy does have that one super rich uncle. Oh, yeah. From that whole series about Sco Shaggy and Scooby-Doo get a clue. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I was going to say they live in a uh, socialist society, but then I remember that every time the villain's doing it for money... 
<laughs> so maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, so the professor opens up the drawer full of super magnets. He gives one to each of them. They are strong enough to pull pins from the wall from across the room. Yeah, they're very strong. Granted, like, they're the size of a forearm, so hopefully they're strong. Yeah. But, but keep that in mind later. Yeah. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Uh, they cut immediately to the night investigations. They're walking around this the laboratory area at night. And Fred's like, oh, there's an awful, awful lot of space. We're not going to cover it in time if we don't split up. Shaggy and Scooby immediately set off on their own. And Fred's like, what are you guys doing? I didn't even uh, set the groups yet. And Shaggy says, Do we ever do it any other way? Yeah. It's like, dang. Shaggy knows. Fred, Velma, and Daphne go into the junk basement. Velma picks up a book and blows dust off, and the dust blows directly into the face of the virus. <laughs> who just sort of coughs and sneezes a bit. Yeah. But then immediately starts shooting lightning everywhere. This virus is, gets subjected to so much slapstick comedy. In the next few scenes, it's kind of ridiculous. Starting with just stepping on one of the magnets that I think Velma dropped. Yeah, Velma, Velma dropped it. Or No, Velma set it down and was looking underneath a thing. Ah, okay. So he gets frozen in place because he's stepping on the magnet, getting all glitched out. Mm-hmm. So Fred and Daphne pull out their magnets and they're like, ah, yes, the magnets. Immediately forgot. And the best insult Daphne comes up with is, Stay right there, you creepy thingy. Fred immediately drags her for it. Yeah, Fred and Velma give her so much- This is a crime scene. Get over this for like the next two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, it is kind of a ridiculous thing to say. And like, Daphne's in on the joke. She's a little embarrassed, but she's like, yeah, okay. I did bad words. I get it. <laughs> um, the virus starts limping away and Fred, Velma, and Daphne all wait until the virus goes around the corner and leaves before they say, after him! Yeah, this poor guy is limping away and they're like, after him! After way too long. Yeah, it has to walk like 10 feet and they just wait until it's completely out of sight. Yep. <sighs> Cut to Shaggy and Scooby chowing down in the cafe, grossing out students nearby with stuff like whipped cream hot dogs. I can't do that, but I respect Shaggy being able to do that, because what the heck. Scooby-Doo shakes up the whipped cream can so much that it shoots out too much all at once and gives Shaggy a, a Santa beard and hat. It, which, it doesn't work that way, but okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it actually just explodes. No, it, it gets really big, like it's gonna explode, and then Scooby presses the nozzle. Oh, that's right. And he goes flying. Yes. We cut back downstairs. Fred, Velma, and Daphne are like, okay, virus is definitely gonna be around this corner, so we're gonna go ambush him. And they jump around the corner, and it's the cop. Yep. Who is immediately suspicious of these uh, punks wandering around the basement. The restricted basement. Yeah. Staff only. For yeah. Which, fair. And they get escorted back to the lab. Yep. Cut back to Shaggy and Scooby, who ate all of the food in the cafe and are still hungry. And the virus just sort of shows up. It's just there now. Yeah. And they get... Like... Oh, go ahead. 
Oh no, it's just it's interesting. Is why why is this virus singling out the gang? Velma has a theory on that later. Yeah. So yeah, it just shows up, and they get chased into the psych department, where they dress up in lab coats and start performing psychological evaluations on the virus. By which I mean asking strange questions about food, immediately saying "time's up," and then shocking him with the Ghostbusters shock tester from the beginning of Ghostbusters the movie. Yeah. This poor, this poor virus is, is actually, like, visibly in pain afterwards. And it's like, oh my gosh. It does the thing where it's got the cross-hatching on the face from being electrocuted. Yeah. And then pulls all of the electrical nodes off and it's like, alright, time for a montage. <laughs> a chase montage. Uh, going through various labs, because they're in the lab building full of labs. Labs. Um, and all of them are stuff that we saw during that first night sequence. So they end up in the chemical or they end up in an animal lab, I guess, for veterinarians. Hopefully not animal testing, seeing what came out of that afterwards. Yeah. There's a deer. Yeah, they set all the animals free and the stampede of animals runs over the virus before they run out afterwards. They go to the chemi- chemistry lab and they mix up an explosive and just throw it to the virus, and then it explodes in his hands. I'm so curious about how Shaggy knew what chemicals to use. I have some knowledge about Shaggy that I am going to save for another one-off video. Oh no, okay. Let's just say that the special features on this DVD were a trip. <laughs> well, I look forward to that. Um, they end up in the engineering bay, and... They use a robot, like a BattleBot robot, to attack the virus. Mm-hmm. And they go into the library and just crush them under a bookcase. And it cuts back to Daphne. And Daphne's like, oh, I'm worried about Shaggy and Scooby. We haven't seen from them in a while. Daphne, they are absolutely fine. They're fine. Don't worry about it. They are handing it to this villain with absolutely no problem. They really are. It's like, this is the best... I remember them ever dealing with a villain. There is a level of competence here that makes me wonder why Fred ever has to come up with a plan. Because there are so many problems with his plans that we'll see later. Yeah. Um, Virus still chasing Shaggy and Scooby and they end up back in the computer lab where everyone else is. Uh, There's a bit of a chasing where they all run around through all the different shelves and then the gang trips into each other. And then we see a non-virus hand casting a shadow that presses the button on the laser, sending the gang into cyberspace. I think preceding this was um, the security guard, Daphne, Freddy, and Velma talking about the virus, and the security guard not believing them at all. It was like, yeah, sure, sounds like a school prank. Um, sounds like a cop to me. Yeah. And when Shaggy and Scooby run into the room... They run past the security guard, and the security guard gets that spinning around animation. And uh, immediately afterwards comes the virus and runs past the security guard and causes more spinning animation. And I was like, what was that? I found that particularly kind of funny. Yeah, it's a good bit. It's got a really good timing. Mm -hmm. So they end up in the game, and... Eric and them show up and they're like, okay, in order to get out of the game, they have to beat the game. Which, earlier, 
you just zapped in a box of Scooby Snacks and then zapped it back out? Yeah. It's like, there's that for an inanimate object, and there's this for an animate object, maybe? He also That was also the demo they said earlier, because the full game was had issues. So they were like, you can oh, load up yeah. the demo, but if you load up the full game, the virus will get out again, even though the virus was already out. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, the guard is surprisingly worried about what's going on. Hey, worries about the kids. Yeah, you see a lot of the cop caring from this point on, which is a weird thing. How anti-kids he was earlier it wasn't so much anti-kids as anti-strange kids on his campus because now that he knows oh yes they were supposed to be here or whatever and now he's worried fair uh the first level's the moon they're on the moon now and they're in they're in spacesuits yep i loved okay i loved the detail in they they show up as outlines basically and then there's an outline that goes over them that is the spacesuits and then the moon comes into view like it it develops around them i kind of liked that that i that build it, it worked very well for me yeah they do a lot of fun stuff with cyber visuals mm -hmm. they do a lot of bad stuff with game design Yes. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> the virus shows up and sends some henchgoons after the gang who are like, oh man, we're on the moon. Shaggy was goofing around with zero low gravity for a bit, flies into a rock. Lifts up the rock. Oh, lifts up a rock, not the rock he flies into. Yeah, the virus then shows up on a rock further in the distance, sends some henchgoons after them and says, let's play ball! Yeah, I'm just realizing, you know what, that that kind of sounded like uh, the Green Goblin a little bit. Mary Jane and I, we're <laughs> going to have a hell of a time. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, Velma plans to play along so they can throughout the whole game, even though they literally have to in order to get out. Mm-hmm. But her idea is if they play along, they can figure out who made the virus. Which... They're not wrong. It's not wrong, and it is a good idea, even if that's not necessarily what you're here for. Mm -hmm. um, the first level's designed to be easy, and they say as much. There's a mystery machine rover that the gang gets into, and they're chased by the moon goons in their rover. The Phantom's on top of it and shoots lightning at them, because that's his thing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the Scooby Snacks are located next to the moon landing pod and flag. You know, from the real-life moon landing? Mm-hmm. Although, I think I read somewhere that the real-life flag would be stark white now. I'd believe it. Yeah. But also, this is a, a cyber flag. On yeah. the cyber moon? Yeah. With the cyber gang. Yeah. The way that's later. <laughs> um yeah the break, they break the rover and while the phantom still tries to stop scooby he just sort of keeps bouncing in low gravity until he grabs the snacks and they warp to the next level and they do the uh the cool laser grid warp mm -hmm. level two is a roman coliseum yeah 
Um, the first thing you see when they get to the Roman Colosseum is that uh, there's a baseball diamond in the middle of the Colosseum. Yep. There's bases, there's chalk. They don't immediately recognize it as such, but they do realize that there is chalk and such on the ground. Yeah. I later saw uh, in the scene, there is li- literally a pitcher's mound in the middle. Mm-hmm. In which the uh, Scooby Snacks get placed. So yeah, the virus is like, all right, time to start the level and unleashes some skeleton warriors. <laughs> and then also a giant lion and the lion's carrying the Scooby Snacks. In its mouth. Yeah. Um, the gang starts running from all of these dangerous things and Shaggy gets hit with a net. To solve the situation of not being able to get Shaggy free, they find a mystery machine chariot and then have Sh- Scooby pull Shaggy around. Yeah. This is not the first time, uh, this is the first time, but not the last, of Scooby getting regulated to be the horse. Four-legged animals. Yep. They're all the same, I guess. Yep. The skeletons, the skeleton gladiators, are distracted by this chariot combo, so Fred, Velma, and Daphne take to dealing with the lion. I, this is the kind of cartoon logic that is a little painful, but it's kind of like, okay, yeah. All right, there's a part of it that I love, though, so let's get into it. Yeah. Fred uses Daphne's jacket to matador the lion. Yes, and Fred but... starts yelling out, Toro, Toro, and the lion looks around. Huh? There's not a bull here. <laughs> and Fred immediately is like, oh, right, Leo, Leo. And that's the part I love. That That's it good a, stuff. It is a good part. It's like, it's a really good joke. Velma and Daphne open the doors so Fred can lure the lion back out. Um, the lion has already dropped the Scooby Snacks, so they don't have to worry about that. And at this point, my thought is, okay, so Shaggy and Scooby are being chased by the gladiators, so the gladiators aren't doing anything. You're free to just go grab the Scooby Snacks. Yeah? They need to just go go grab the Scoobies. You already know that if you grab them, everybody gets teleported away anyways. Yeah. Just do it. But no. Come on, gang. We have to go help Shaggy and Scooby. And they do. They don't go for the Scooby snacks. They go to help Shaggy and Scooby. Only for a little bit, and then they have Shaggy and Scooby go distract the skeletons some more. Yeah. Shaggy and Scooby get some spears and pull vault into the stands. And then disguise themselves as an emperor and friend. Announcer, I guess. The skeletons are like, ah yes, my liege. And take a knee. Uh, And then the disguise breaks immediately afterwards. And then before the skeletons can do anything, Fred grabs the Scooby Snacks. The the disguise breaks because Shaggy steps on Scooby's robes. And the robes fall off. And, oh my gosh, suddenly there's a dog. What the heck? Dog? Where? Dog? Where? (laughs) I actually, uh, that's that joke was in in the like beginning with the security guard. I love, and I forgot about that joke. It's like dog where it wasn't in Blue Falcon at all. I think that's no. something they stopped doing after a while. Mm. Um. So yeah, they're on level three, which is prehistory God. dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. The virus shows up on a bright maroon T-Rex. I am so angry about this T-Rex. 
it looks like actual garbage and I don't even it's like it's it's not so much terrible in the sense of a cartoon T-Rex but I look at it and I think oh my gosh everything about how this T-Rex looks looks wrong like the way the tail uh waggles behind it and everything I don't know the, that's a thing the tail moved while yeah. it ran to help keep balance but it's up way too high I felt I thought it looked like just a regular cartoon T-Rex yeah yeah, I don't know enough about what T-Rexes are theorized to look like to say anything, but... The answer is Big Chicken. Yeah, it's basically a Big Chicken. The gang immediately runs into the jungle where the T-Rex can't fit. Just knock down the trees. Oh well. And then we cut back to the lab where Professor Kaufman, Eric, Bill, and the guard, whose name is Wembley, I, I wrote yeah. that down... They're trying to figure out who fired the laser, and they're like, well, it wasn't me, and it wasn't you, and you didn't do it. And then it cuts back to the gang who are just in a cave at night with a campfire going, and they just can't find the snacks anywhere. And uh, Scooby and Shaggy are drawing food items on the wall. This is a very badly designed level. It really is. I immediately thought this, too. Like, with the first level, okay, you can see the flag, you can see the Scooby Snacks with the flag. Obviously, you're going to go there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gladiator arena. You're in a gladiator arena. You're probably going to fight something and get the Scooby Snack. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. You show up in just sort of an area that has a jungle and a volcano and a cave system and no clear indication of any idea of where to go. There's no breadcrumb trails or anything that have been nope. laid down with collectibles or something. Nope. It's it's bad. Yeah. And they discover on the wall of the cave a drawing of a tall mountain. With smoke coming out the top. That's true. And they're like, hey, a volcano. Huh. I wonder what that could signify. And they tell um, Shaggy and Scooby to go get uh, firewood because the fire's dying, dying down and it's going to get dark soon. And... While Shaggy and Scooby are out getting firewood, they see in the distance, oh no, no, suddenly a ball of fire lands near them. And they're like, oh my gosh, what is that? And they look up, and there's a giant volcano just there. Mm -hmm. Just there. And they're like, oh my gosh, a giant volcano. We gotta go tell the gang. And they run back. They, and, and when they tell the gang about the giant volcano, they look out the cave door, and the giant volcano is right there. <laughs> it's right there. Mm -hmm. it's right also, I want to point out that Fred said it's going to be dark soon, and when they go outside, it's probably like 3.30. Yeah. yeah. It was so bright out when, after, in that scene with them gathering firewood. I just can't get over the fact that the volcano was right there. Yeah, and Dylan was like, ah, oh, yes, this cave painting of a volcano must have been a hint. We should head towards the volcano. Oh, but it's so far away. <laughs> Do you want to say the line or should I? Well, where there's a will, there's... Woolly mammoths! <laughs> I love and... this moment. 
And then so they're riding much. woolly mammoths. They're riding woolly mammoths. And Velma's like, hey, wait a minute. No, Velma just says uh, that, you know, Vel- uh, woolly mammoths and dinosaurs, like, weren't even in the same age or whatever. But I'm not going to complain. Yeah. It's like, oh my god. Was like, Where there's a will, there's woolly mammoths. <laughs> I love that line a lot. They ride the woolly mammoths to the volcano. And when they get to the volcano, uh, a little bit of fire comes down and the woolly mammoths run away. It's like, did, did they not notice at all? It's like, how did they get these woolly mammoths to head towards a volcano? There's an answer to that, and it comes during the post credit sequence. Oh, no. I don't think I watched that. I certainly did. I didn't. I don't think I saw it. While they're at the base of the volcano, they can see up near the top, there's a pterodactyl nest with a pterodactyl baby who's been stuck because the wing is pinned underneath a big rock. Yep. And then the virus and the T-Rex show up. And as a result, the gang starts climbing up the mountain. Volcano. And at one point they are like, okay, we should be safe here. And then Scooby just sort of keeps going. Mm-hmm. To save the baby pterodactyl. Moves the rock out of the way. And then there's the Scooby snacks. This pterodactyl. It's very, uh, car- it's very, very cartoon, uh, dinosaurs. Very not slightly more realistic than flintstones which i think means it's worse yeah yeah it's that weird middle ground between flintstones and land before time yeah or you just you shouldn't be there you need to go one way or the other is the, uh, the thing with land before time is that they were okay especially for the time period of what dinosaurs were thought to look like they were okay but they actually looked like creatures like they and look like creatures. These dinosaurs don't really look like creatures to me. I don't know. Yeah, but also not in the way where Flintstones just sort of played Calvin Ball with it, where anything yeah. can be a creature. Right. So it's just in this weird middle area that you either need to be really good or really bad. Don't be in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get to level four, which is underwater. Um, and immediately the gang's like, oh no, we can't breathe underwater, and then the scuba tanks appear and all of that. Which is weird, considering how when they showed up in outer space, they just had the spacesuits. Yeah. This is also the start of the montage, because they've only gone through three levels, and we're well over halfway through this movie. Yeah. So let's rapid-fire some levels. Honestly, I really like this montage. I think it works really well. Especially since that there's no way that most of these ideas could have been a full scene. Yeah. They just wouldn't have made it. Especially the ninth level, but we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. The ninth one is, hmm. Yeah. So level four is underwater. The montage starts. There's no talking from this point forward. Just music. And the occasional sound effect. Mm Mm-hmm. So they start swimming down to a sunken ship, and there's a treasure chest, and the Scooby Snacks are in it. They grab it right before a shark eats them. Cut to level six, feudal Japan. A samurai beats Fred, and then Daphne kicks his ass. Ho, 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 are you in trouble? Yes! I love this moment. It's like Fred picks up like a mop. It's it's like a Zen garden broom. Yeah, it's a Zen garden broom. And tries to whack it, whack the samurai. 
and gets like knocked down like a chump. Uh, and then Daphne picks it up and twirls it like a gosh dang baton. Like an actual, well not a baton, but like a legit sword and whacks, like successfully whacks the samurai and the samurai runs away. It's yeah, great. It, while Daphne's spinning the broom, you can see the samurai go like, oh no. Yeah! It's like, oh no! It's great. It's, I love Daphne so much. We don't see the Scooby Snacks on this level because we just jump immediately to level 7. Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> Scooby and Shaggy disguise themselves as a sarcophagi while the mummy runs past them and then Anubis finds them and chases them out of the pyramid and then the virus is riding a camel yep. while holding a scimitar. Yep. And then I think we just cut to the next scene. I don't even think no, we see I anything think, after that. I think the uh, virus gets knocked off the camel and lands like face planted into the sand. I think that happens. That checks out. That's likely to have happened. And this is the first time we've seen the virus since. Level I guess one? the end of level three. Level two. Level, uh, yeah. I keep forgetting. Level eight, medieval times. Um, there's the virus who's on a dragon, and there's a princess in danger, tied up, and the snacks are there. In the princess's hands. Shaggy is wearing a full suit of armor, riding atop Scooby, a horse. Yeah. Scooby is just being a horse. They just run at the dragon, and Shaggy throws a bucket of water in the dragon's mouth right before it breathes fire. And then it runs away because... I guess. Yeah. Shaggy ignores the princess and runs directly to the snacks. The princess is trying to kiss him out of gratitude. Shaggy's just like, look, I'm just here for the food, man. Yeah. As Shaggy is wont to do. Yeah. And then we get to level nine, North Pole. They spawn next to the North Pole. This is the worst, worst designed. The snacks are on top of the pole. It's, it's like... You just gotta climb a pole. Yeah. There's no danger. It's called pole. Just climb pole. A uh, virus is riding a polar bear, and then the game just throws snowballs at him while Scooby climbs up the pole to grab the snacks. And the montage ends as they get to level 10 of the final level, which is a city. Just like a generic real-world city. Mm-hmm. At one point, we cut to um, the scientists and guard outside in the real world and eric says at one point i haven't even beaten the final level no one's ever beaten level 10 not even me which is how you know eric is a bad game designer it really is like even if you are purposely making a hard game the amount of times if you're a single person team or in this case a three person team the amount of times that you end up testing your own stuff just sort of makes you good at it by default because mm-hmm. you know all of the secret tips and tricks. Yeah. It's like, actually, I'm really curious because thinking about it is like, he says no one has ever beaten the final level. How many people has he gotten to play this? Um. Well, definitely Professor Kaufman and Bill. Yeah. Uh. Probably just random students. Yeah, probably whatever friends he has. Yeah. A video game club if the college has it. Yeah. Uh, the gang is like, oh man, are we back? No, actually, we're still in the video game because they look up and they still see the black and green grid in the sky before it turns to real sky. Mm-hmm. 
they start approaching an old lady. And surprise, it's the virus. <laughs> yep. Like, where does this virus get these disguises? This is the only time he's tried to disguise. It's well, the only time there's been a disguise involved. Only time so far. Yes. I kind of wish this gag happened more than just now onward. Yeah. I kind of wish it happened every time the virus showed up. Yeah, same. Because that would be pretty funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, they run away from the virus and they go hide in the malt shop. And they end up face-to-face -face with their doppelgangers, which consist of sickly red shirt Shaggy, <laughs> only slightly off-color Velma, old-school Fred and Daphne, and red-collar Scooby-Doo, whose fur is also a little bit redder. Yeah. I really liked this moment because when they first run into the malt shop, they fall down, and you can see them front and center and right behind them in order are their counterparts and i, I kind of like that imagery it's a good yeah. shot daphne gets up and says hey can someone help us and then the doppelgang turns around and that's when they finally notice hey you're me and i'm you mm -hmm. and there's a whole sequence yeah or they all interact with their counterpart yeah um, the Daphnes criticize each other's fashion choices. The Velmas, I don't know. They do something. Shaggy and Scoobies do like some handshakes and eat some food. And the Freds are just Fred? Yeah, nice ascot. Works for me. <laughs> the doppelgang immediately knows that they're game characters. They're like, yeah, no, we're super duper just, you're the real ones. Because we're the they... video game ones. This messes with me. It's like, why, why would you program these characters to know that they're in a game and know that they are game characters of real-life human beings slash dog? Like, th there's something about that that messes me up. It's a Wreck-It Ralph situation. Yeah, except the Wreck-It Ralph in the game has a counterpart in real life. It's like, man, that existential crisis has got to be intense. That could be true. Like, there are video games... Like, let's say in the Wreck-It Ralph world you were playing a game of NBA Jam. Oh my god. There is both a real Shaquille O'Neal and a digital Shaquille O'Neal. Um, and so the regular gang is like, hey, we should probably get out of here and figure out where we can find the snacks. And... The doppelgang's like, what's the rush? And they reveal that they have never heard of the virus before because the virus is not from this game. Which, thinking about it, is like, in World, what, 2? The Coliseum. Mm-hmm. The Coliseum has a diamond, has a baseball diamond and a pitcher's mound. I think that's something the virus added upon arrival. Why? Because the virus... Much like someone we know in the real world loves baseball. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, anyway. The virus is outside and taunts them. Like, hey, I know you're in there. Come out and play. So the gang and the doppelgang cram into the doppelgang's mystery machine. The Freds are like, I'll drive at the same time. And then 
look at each other awkwardly. Cyber Fred is the one driving. Doppelgang says they haven't seen any monsters or villains in here. They're probably guarding the snacks. Um, they know where the snacks are, but they don't ever go after them because there's no point. They just go back to the beginning of the game. And this level's real cool. There's like a whole city here. Yeah, with nobody in it. That's not necessarily true. There's no monsters or villains in it. But there must be people because there are movie theaters and buffets and such. Are there? Yeah. I don't remember seeing a single person. You don't ever see people, but Shaggy, or Cyber Shaggy and Cyber Scooby talk about all of the cool stuff that you can do in the Cyber City. Now, that doesn't necessarily require people. That's true. It could all be pre-programmed. Yeah. Hmm. But think of it this way. The real gang generally just sort of hang out with each other in the car most of the time anyways. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so the snacks are at the boardwalk fair. There's an arcade. And the snacks are on the Scooby-Doo game machine. Obviously. Obviously. The group walks up to a guy in a batting cage because they hear the clanging of a bat hitting balls. And this guy is just killing it. Yeah. They're like, hey man, you're doing a great job. And the guy turns around and surprise, it's a virus. <laughs> Can you imagine if this had been like a legit thing that kept happening in every level or thereabouts? And every time... The, the gang has no idea. <laughs> they walk up to the lion and the lion stands up and it's a virus. Yeah. <laughs> or one of the gladiator skeletons had been just a gladiator in full costume and suddenly, oh my god, it's the virus? The samurai removes the mask is the virus. <laughs> the virus proceeds to just hit fireballs at them using mm -hmm. the baseball bat. So Gang Squared runs towards the arcade and is stopped by Creeper, Jack Waro, Gator Ghoul, Tar Monster, and Ol' Iron Face. Iron Face comes in from the ocean. Yeah. Riding like skis being pulled by two sharks or something. Yeah. The doppelgang is not familiar with any of them, which means that they don't have any of the memories but just the personalities. Mm-hmm. They are technically very distinct people. I, I, the, the thing that gets me is thinking of, like, at what point were these characters... Now, what point were these characters programmed, and would they be familiar with any of the monsters they encountered before they were programmed? Like, before uh, Eric based them off the gang? Because that's always been my assumption, is that... I don't oh, think so. Because um, hmm. I think this is... They don't have, like, any memories of any of the monsters, mm. I guess. I mean, they've obviously gone through the game once. So they, I think they recognize these monsters as having existed, but they didn't know any of the names until the original Mystery Gang said all of them out loud, and they were like, hey, wait, you know these guys? Oh, that's a good point. It's so funny to think of, because I think even when I first watched this movie way back when, I always assumed, oh, it's just that, they hadn't encountered these guys before um, the time period in which Eric based them on. I think that's what I always just thought. But it makes much more sense of like, ah, yes, they just straight up do not have their memories. Yeah, I think this is distinctly not a Buzz Lightyear of Star Command situation. Yeah. At no point do they think, oh, we're the real Mystery Inc. They're like, no, we're just, 
fake programs. Yeah. Which is, I'm not sure if it's more messed up or less messed up. I think it's more, but that's me. The monsters close in. Um, the gang remembers that, hey, wait a minute. All of these monsters were fakes in the real world. So the Scoobies start trying to pull on Gator Ghoul's face to remove the mask. And it's like, it doesn't move? Or it does move, but it does that awkward, scritch, stretchy animation of something pulling at something else. And afterwards, the Gator roars in their faces. And it's like, ah, that is distinctly real. Uh, so Gang Squared take off into the boardwalk and split out into double doubles. <laughs> uh, the Shags dress as carnies and then hit the tar, tar monster with a hammer. <laughs> In the foot. Yeah. Uh, the Daphnes go to the haunted funhouse and compliment each other. And then the creeper shows up and then they open up a trap door and send the creeper down the, a slide. Um, Fred Fred Berger and Gator are on a coaster. Wait, the track what? Is what? What did you just say? I said that Fred Fredberger and Gator Ghoul are on a coaster, but the track is broken, so Fred and Fred jump off into a bounce house and the gator gets sent into the horizon. Fred Fredberger. Yeah. The Dinkley duo are in a wax museum. Both of them lose their glasses at the same time, but then trip old Iron Face who shows up and he falls into a vat of melted wax. Yeah. And they pick up the glasses and put them on each other's faces and i guess that's fine because no matter which glasses are which they're probably the same prescription maybe i was i was thought okay they just can tell like yeah. maybe there's something about those the the materials they're made of i don't know maybe that's what's different about velma it's like she had different frames only slightly different yeah <laughs> Old Iron Face gets out of the wax, and then it hardens, and then he breaks out of it. Jaguaro follows the Scoobies onto the merry-go-round, and they get chased around it a few times, and then the Scoobies get off of it, and Jaguaro keeps running around. And then they turn the speed up until it sends Jaguaro flying. Did you mention the fact that they the Freddies land on a bouncy castle? I, I think I did, but I said it all really fast because I was doing the Fred Fred Burger joke. <laughs> The Freds meet up with the Shaggies and the Scoobies, and then a montage starts where the Daphnes go into a saloon and blow up the Creeper with one of those old-timey camera flashes. And they change into disguises that are just elaborate dresses really quick. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, like in an old western saloon, like that four-layer dress with the hoop skirt. Mm-hmm. Very distinctly of their two separate styles. Yeah, which I think is neat. Yeah. The Velmas are petting a baby goat, and then old Iron Face shows up, and then a big goat headbutts him mm -hmm. into a, a thing full of eggs. Uh, the Freddies are playing bumper cars with the Gator Ghoul, and Gator Ghoul gets launched out, and then the Freds just keep playing bumper cars. Yeah. <laughs> They're just having a good time. The Shaggies start chugging fast fare, fair food, not fast food. Well, both. Both. And then grab some soda guns and blast the tar monster with soda guns until it falls into the cotton candy machine. And then they think about eating the cotton candy. Which bothers me a lot. And then they just shove it over a tar monster's eye. Yeah, yeah. 
what got me is thinking, okay, when the cotton candy machine is first shows up in the scene, and Shaggy... Did you think it was going to be the cotton candy ghost? Because I sure did. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, what I was thinking is that Sh- Sh- one of the Shaggies goes to scoop up the cotton candy, and it's fine, and hands it over to the other Shaggy, and goes to scoop up another uh, scoop of cotton candy, and it's slime. For some reason, I misremembered, and I thought, oh no, the slime monster was in the cotton candy machine? Initially, like, hiding. Uh, and I was like, no, that's disgusting, but he was just standing outside, and for some reason, Shaggy caught, uh, like, the arm of the monster when getting that second scoop. It's just nasty. It's nasty. Yeah. Um, and at that point, the montage ends. And the Scoobies are just hanging out on a log flume. You know, just riding the log flume, having a good time. Mm-hmm. And then Jaguaro shows up behind them. So they, they're about to go to the waterfall part, and the Scoobies get off, and Jaguaro keeps going. This is a very dangerous park. Very. It's like, it's very dangerous. There was the broken roller coaster. There's this sharp drop that does not appear safe at all. It's like, wow. It would have been fine, I think, if they would have stayed buckled into the log flumes, because the log flume moved like it was supposed to. Oh, that's a good point. Except for uh, Jaguaro. That didn't, that didn't move like it's supposed to. Jaguaro didn't wear a seatbelt. Yeah. And at that point, they just all meet back together in the middle of the park, I guess. Um, all of them and their doppelgangers. Shaggy still has his magnet and then pulls it out and is like, oh yeah, I had this thing. It's still the length of a forearm. And is still intensely powerful. And yet, it wasn't until he pulled it out of his pocket that it started having any effect on anything. Because when he does so, the Doppel Shaggy and Doppel Scooby and all of them are sort of glitching out. Mm-hmm. And then they realize, like, the, the real gang realizes, and Shaggy puts the magnet back in his pocket, and everyone is fine. Yeah, and they don't know what happened. They have no clue. Someone was like, all right, so we use the magnet, and the rest of the doppelganger's just like, what magnet? Exactly. Um, it shows the inside of the arcade, because they're right next to it. And they're like, okay, there's the Scooby-Doo video game arcade machine. And it's got some pretty good cabinet art. Mm-hmm. The doppelgang stays outside while the regular gang goes into the arcade. And obviously the virus shows up. It explodes out of the Scooby-Doo cabinet. And then starts poltergeisting all of the games in the arcade. Mm-hmm. Including just regular, like, basketballs on those uh, hoop games. Yeah, it's the basketball things from, like, a Chuck E. Cheese or such. Yeah. Fred pulls out the magnet and is like, alright. And it works for a little bit. And then he, like, steps... On a ball. Just a ball. Like a skee-ball or something. Mm-hmm. And then loses it. And so the virus then uses the wire trick from earlier to trap Fred. And then mm-hmm. starts shooting lightning bolts at everyone else. And everybody goes to hide. And he, like, completely destroys the cover that Shaggy's hiding behind. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, one more shot and Shaggy would have uh, been done for. And the doppelganger's like, hey, there's all that's something bad going on in there. We should go help him. 
and then the monsters show back up and they get chased away except for scooby 2 who sneaks into the arcade mm-hmm. and then fred sees scooby 2 and is like wait i got an idea and tells scooby 2 the plan who goes and tells it to regular scooby and then scooby 2 starts distracting the virus by being annoying and brave which Shaggy notices and like, wait a minute, I've never seen Scooby act that brave before. Looks over, sees a real Scooby doing the tiptoe crawl thing that makes little piano noises. Mm-hmm. Over towards the snacks box. Mm-hmm. The virus finally uses wires to strap Scooby to, but Scooby original still grabs the snacks in time. And the virus dissolves. It's like, no! And just dissolves into nothing. Yeah, like... It's really convenient that this virus had a self-destroying case in its code. Yeah. Like, I guess if I would have designed it, I would have not done that. No. Because its job's not done if it loses. Exactly. It's like, that had to have been programmed in because uh, the doppelgang is perfectly fine. Yeah. Also, the monsters vanish, which I guess is makes sense because yeah. the level's been beaten. Maybe in order to code the the virus in, like, have a backdoor in. He had to, uh, whoever it was that created the virus had to code it as, like, a villain? Yeah, that would make sense. It's oh, like, no. Oh? This means that there's a situation in which they use the laser and bring in, bring out the digital villains into the real world. Oh, no. So, yeah, the monsters vanish, the virus gets deleted, and gang squared say goodbye. As the original gang returns to the real world. And when they show up, the first thing the gang does is go around and explain why the professor or why the guard might have done it. Yeah, because uh, the professor could have uh, won a lot of money. And I don't remember what they gave for the guard. Was tired of these meddling kids sneaking around the campus. I guess. I don't know. It was flimsy for the guard. But then they start listing all of the baseball things that the virus did. Yeah, it was a lot of things. Basically everything the virus did was baseball. Mm-hmm. We actually forgot to mention one of the uh, other lines uh, that the virus said was when the gang gets to the final level, the virus says, Welcome to the final level. You're in the major leagues now. It's like, there's so many baseball references throughout this entire thing, and you're thinking... Ah, yes. Who could it possibly be? Okay. And I think we should do the thing that we did at one point during the first episode, and then I'm kind of mad that we forgot to do it the second time. What? When they did the unmasking of the villain, and we said it like the end of a Scooby-Doo episode. Oh! We did it the first time this kid's during name. the fake reveal, but we never did it for the actual reveal. Oh! <laughs> Although I guess it doesn't work here because they don't actually unmask anybody. That's true. Because there was technically no, like, fake villain. Yeah. It was Bill. It was Bill. Bill the baseball boy. The kid who's been wearing a baseball cap this entire movie and said to Fred, baseball is the best, or whatever. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie. Oh, hey. Baseball boy. Uh, so Bill tries to run away, but then is cornered, tripped, and handcuffed. Oh, something something very funny 
is when the gang starts explaining all of the baseball references, there's a moment where Bill starts backing away slowly, and I, it just cracks me up. Yeah, he knew the jig was up. He was like, all oh, right, yeah. I'm out. Oh, yeah. He gets handcuffed, and they're like, all right, so why did you do it? And Eric was like, or Bill was like, well, Eric's project was chosen, even though I was here for two years and baseball... And all I could think was, but you both worked on Eric's project, and you would have both gotten the credit and the prize money. Yeah. And all of, really all of the benefits. Yeah. It was a very flimsy jealousy angle. Yeah. Because it's like, it's not like you didn't both work on the machine. I think it was a quarter million dollars, by the way. Yeah. It was like a lot. Like, enough for a college student? Enough. Even if, especially if you, even if you split it, like, yeah, that's plenty. Mm-hmm. And they do the thing where it's like, oh, you would have gotten away with it too. And then I'm pretty sure the gang just all says at the same time. If it were for us meddling, meddling kids. kids. They say it so mockingly. It's hysterical. Even though I'm pretty sure th- this kid is the exact same age as them, if not maybe slightly younger. Well, let's see. I think he, let's say Eric and the gang were the same year at high school. Mm-hmm. And then Bill was there for at least two years before Eric. Yeah. So at least maybe two years older, depending. At most. Meddling kids. But then Eric and the gang are out eating food. Shaggy and Scooby pull up the gang on Eric's laptop. And the doppelganger's there. And then Scooby hacks the game to make Scooby Snacks appear for Scooby too. Mm-hmm. And then Shaggy says the phrase, hacking and Scooby snacking. Which is really good. Like, I like that so, so much. I like the phrase. I don't like the delivery. Yeah. Scott Ines was like, hacking and Scooby snacking. Yeah. Hitting all of the enunciations he could. Yeah. And at that point, we get our Scooby Dooby Doo as the credits roll. And Scooby winks at the camera. But wait, there's more. Yeah, I missed this part. So there's the post credit scenes where they all basically act like they were actors of a real film and they talk about their favorite parts of the film that they had just shot. Oh gosh. And Velma was like, she said some stuff about being a book nerd but also having a wild side and then cuts to saying, my favorite part of the movie was when we were shooting the scenes with the woolly mammoths. And there's like all of these stills where they're wrangling woolly mammoths and all of that. Oh my God. Fred is in the batting cage. And it's like, I may have had my dream of being a baseball pro ended kind of early, but I did get to live out another dream. And then it cuts to him being a Roman gladiator. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Daphne says he looks cute. And he's like, well, that's not really what I was going for. <laughs> Daphne was said, my favorite part of shooting this film was back when we were in the North Pole. Um, and then there's a scene where she uses sunglasses to reflect the light into the eyes of a polar bear. Oh my gosh. Shaggy does a whole scene where he beats Scooby at basically every arcade game that exists. <laughs> and says, maybe I shouldn't have been as much of a sore loser. And then it cuts to Scooby throwing Shaggy through a basketball hoop or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And then Scoob uses the laser 
to spawn unlimited burgers and bring Scooby 2 into the real world. Oh my gosh. And that's it. That's that's the end? That's the end. Okay Scooby then. Scooby 2 is real now. Jeez. So, this actually does change something just saying that out loud means my red shirt shaggy theory let me go over what the red shirt shaggy theory is in original this is my personal red shirt shaggy theory i haven't actually found one that's similar online and i've never really read any until like 40 minutes ago and all the ones i read suck (laughs) mainly involving time loops than shaggy living forever so what's your theory my theory is that red shirt shaggy is a signification of a different universe from the main series Hmm. red shirt shaggy signifies any situation in which monsters are actually real as opposed to people in masks huh i say this because the only movies i can think of that have red shirt shaggy are reluctant werewolf or boo brothers or ghoul school and all of those have shaggy dealing with real actual monsters huh he also wears a red shirt during Zombie Island. Yeah, I was going to say, that was the only thing I was going to bring up. And this would have been a pretty sound theory, and then I just looked up some other stuff recently. Such as, Witch's Ghost has an actual ghost in it from an actual witch, and Shaggy's dressed normal in that one. So curse mm. you, Tim Curry, for foiling my plans. <laughs> but is a ghost a monster? Hmm. hmm. This there's another distinction that we can change here if we change the wording a little bit to where monsters are a regular occurrence and are mostly integrated into society Mm. because in ghoul school the fact that it's a school full of monsters isn't really a problem other than shaggy and scooby are wimps yeah like the kids that are in the school next door are like all right whatever And honestly, Shaggy and Scooby are mostly alright whatever, they're just a little bit of wimp. Yeah. So does this tie in to your theory then that in the video game, the monsters were real? Yeah, that's actually a possibility. Um, Mm. Another possibility, and this one's even weirder. This is more like those dark fan theories that I was reading that were all bad. So here's my bad fan theory. Are you ready? (laughs) Yes. Go ahead. In the dark and gritty future where Shaggy dies, <laughs> Scooby uses the laser to bring Red Shirt Sca- Shaggy into the real world. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, wow. That's my really bad, gritty fan theory. <laughs> that's, that's hysterical. Oh, but yeah, there are actually a lot of flaws from my real Red Shirt Shaggy theory. Mm. But I think it's good. Yeah. Even if it doesn't hold up to everything, I think it is a good distinction to keep in mind in general. Uh Uh-huh. It's a good way to figure out, okay, this is a situation in where it makes sense for Shaggy to not understand there being real monsters versus (laughs) otherwise. Like in the Scooby Natural episode of Supernatural, (laughs) there were real ghosts in that, but everybody was like, we've never fought real ghosts because ghosts aren't real. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Shaggy's wearing a green shirt. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways. (laughs) Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> That's been no, our show. We're going to have to keep an eye on this one. Um, yeah, we'll have a whole four or five movies with Red Shirt Shaggy in it. Dang. Anyways. 
where do you put this on our list of Scooby-Doo movies? Is it better or worse than Scooby-Doo, Mask of the Blue Falcon? I'm going to say better. Hmm. I There's something about the way the baseball is introduced and then sprinkled throughout that I really kind of like. Yeah, it does feel like more of an actual mystery. Yeah. Um, in the sense that you can see the clues and follow along. Yeah, because I can imagine being a kid and seeing that first baseball reference and being like, huh. And then the second one, you're like, wait a second. And the, by the third time, you're like, I know who it was. The, I, I, there's something about that kind of build that I really like. And I like how this Bill movie did it. Duh. Hmm? Bill. Duh. Bill. Yeah, Bill did it. Because you said the build to it. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, I can see that. I can see the merits of also this being more of a traditional Scooby-Doo movie in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's probably, I would say, the pinnacle of the pre-What's-New-Scooby-Doo comedic sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Lots of physical comedy. Um, coming from a result of just Scooby and Shaggy dishing it out. Mm-hmm. Your old-fashioned dog, where? Yeah. Bits. I think I read in the Wikipedia page that it was the last uh, Hanna-Barbera dealt with movie, like where they there were built. There was a special thanks to one of the uh, Barbera family mm-hmm. members at the end, like an in-loving memory type situation. Right. So right. I could check out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like this one a lot. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? I, I don't necessarily agree with the decision, but I think we probably should put it above Mask of the Blue Falcon. <laughs> okay. What do you like better about Mask of the Blue Falcon, for the record? I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that happened in this movie where I was just like, that's a bad decision. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I can agree. It is a Scooby-Doo movie. Yeah. I just, there was less times that happened with Mask of the Blue Falcon, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like, every time something happened in Mask of the Blue Falcon, it almost made sense. Right, as opposed to, uh, what kind of sense? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But it's also just sort of part of this nearing the end of the pre-What's New Scooby-Doo era. Mm-hmm. So they were just sort of playing fast and loose with the formula, I feel. Just sort of like the rules in general mm. like yeah we can make a virus a real thing in the real world and have it shoot lightning and then just be deleted later we don't have to worry about the consequences of what that means and the magnet thing yeah don't don't worry about magnets <laughs> the magnets were pointless the, the what say it again the magnets were pointless at they no really point were. did the magnets accomplish anything except for delaying uh the the virus briefly very briefly yeah but they didn't accomplish anything during that time yeah the the virus got free and then continued doing everything completely unrestrained yeah anyway um hmm. i would say i'm fine with keeping mask of the blue falcon on top Mm. you know what this is the first one Mm -hmm. we could put this up to a vote that's true we could get away with doing that this time. Yeah. It'll be really easy going forward figuring out what goes where. 
Yeah. Especially with this next one. Oh, yeah. Here's a hint. Not on top. No. <laughs> I mean, it's only the second movie so right now, so it doesn't really matter where it goes. Yeah, well, I'll put up a poll alongside this post. Okay. And then a month afterwards, or a little bit less than that, you'll have your answer. <laughs> next month. Ugh. Ugh. Next month is the very first ever Scooby-Doo movie ever released ever. Scooby Goes Hollywood. Ugh. And let me tell you something. I've watched this one before. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good oh, at all. Yay. So How I hope you... you're excited. I'm so glad we did these two episodes first. Yeah, I think if anyone had to first watch, had to watch Scooby Goes Hollywood as their first ever Scooby Doo movie, they would give up on Scooby Doo as a brand. Yeah, <laughs> jeez. Oh, well, awesome. Uh, like always, you can find us on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog. You can email us at andtheirdumbdog at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play and all of those fun, fun websites. Mm -hmm. We have an actual website of our own, kidsandtheirdog.wordpress.com. It's real simple. It's just got all of our episodes up, right? Or, yeah, all of our episodes up. You can listen to them there if you don't have a podcast catcher for some reason. Mm -hmm. Leave us a review if you want. We've got a couple of these done now, and I think we're getting a better into the hang of it. To where I think you can leave a reasonable review that takes into account that this isn't technically our first time anymore. So that'd be nice to have, and we'll probably read them on air. Mm. So if you're going to be mean about it, at least be constructive. And no swearing. Otherwise, we'll beep you out with a character. Yeah. All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at MadLobotanist. That's M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T. And you can find me uh, now on Twitter at LavaBees. It's L-A-V-A-B-E-E-S. So, until next time, they would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. Kids.